0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in London, England with my good friend Josh Simons of twopassports.co.uk. Josh moved here in 2017 and loves how London is one of the world's most influential cities. In this episode, Josh and I talk about visiting Buckingham Palace, attending Christmas markets throughout the city, and touring Click Prison, the oldest jail in London. We're about these three incredible attractions and so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit London, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash London. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Clear to sign up today. Hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's so good to have you back. Last time we talked about Winchester, and today we're talking about London. Obviously, one of the most popular cities that people travel to as they're going from the US to Europe. And I actually had the pleasure of hanging out with you last summer in my 24-hour visit to London. And so it's going to be great to hear all about the things that I missed seeing while we were there.
1: Well, you can barely see London in five years, let alone 24 hours. So. <laughs> Yes, it's it would be great to discuss it today. It was great taking you round as well. I know your listeners. There was an outcry from your listeners to to get me back on the podcast. So you know I've had to sort of bow down and come back on for you.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, the thing is, we've hit so many different cities in the, in the UK on the podcast. We've had this big hole missing of not having London. So it's great to have you on and talk about uh, talk about London. So what's your connection to the city?
1: So I actually moved here I think five years ago. When I was sort of 14, 15, I'd always wanted to live in London. I I lived about an hour and a half away. So it's one of those places where you're close enough to see it, but far away enough to not visit it every day. And of course, you hear all the stories and everything that comes out of London and being just one of the biggest cities in the world and such a catalyst for culture, music, food. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And I had to live here and I've been living here ever
0: since. Oh, that's fantastic. So obviously you had this like big kind of like dream in your mind starting as a teenager. Like since you moved there, did it live up to that dream?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm still living here. And it's just one of those cities where you just never get tired of it. Every time you think you've seen all of it, something else opens or something else appears around the corner that you never walk down. And it's just a fabulous city with fantastic locals who have lived here all their lives as well. And are so keen to show people who come visit for holiday or vacation or come to settle down here the incredible offers that London has.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you had to describe the people or the city in just one or two words, how would you do that?
1: I would say the city is multicultural. It has everything from any corner of the world is in London. Any hobby that you might have other people will have it any food that you crave it will be here any site that you want to see you can see it here it's just that it, it's like that And very few cities in the world offer that sheer variety that london can so i would say definitely it's sort of, yeah multiculturalism
0: now like I visited twice. Uh, the first time I, I came there was for the Dolphins jets game at Wembley stadium. And that was like just a truly wonderful experience. And it was just kind of like a good catalyst to get me to go over there and explore the city. And then the last time I was just there for when JetBlue announced their, their flights from New York to, to London. So had a great time for, on both visits. Now London itself has like kind of this reputation or even England in general kind of has this reputation of being kind of dreary and, and rainy and cloudy and, and things like that. But on the two visits that I did, it wasn't that way. Like what's the weather like throughout the year and is the reputation warranted?
1: So I think it depends, like any place, really, certainly where London is, on the time of year that you go and what the weather's gonna be like. So really from November to February, it's going to be those sort of colder days, longer nights, bring an umbrella with you whenever if you do visits or if you come along. But the city is still very busy with tourists, so don't think you're going to be the only one wandering the city on your own. For me, the shoulder season is March to May, September, October. It can be spots of rain here or there, and we have a saying here called April showers. When you're walking down the street and it's bright sunshine, you turn your head and suddenly its absolute sort of monsoon appears for five, ten minutes. However, I would say April and May are great times. The, Cherry blossoms are sort of you know spring into action. It's wonderful to walk down its streets. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. Yeah, the, the two times that I visited for the Dolphins Jets game, it was in I think it's September, October time frame. And then when I saw you and met you, uh, that was in August. And like I said, both times were were wonderful. Are there certain like festivals throughout the year that maybe somebody wants to plan their trip around?
1: Yes, there are. So I think any genre of festival. Is possible to find in London that you want to see. The Christmas markets are legendary, it's dotted all over London. You get some fun ones in Leicester Square, for instance. Uh, you get some fun ones in the City of London, which is its own district and can be quite confusing. There's a massive one called Winter Wonderland, which is in Hyde Park, which is London's sort of premier park right in the City of London. And Winter Wonderland is the last week in November and stretches... To the first week of January. You've also got big fireworks festivals all over the city to mark uh, the gunpowder plot in, I think, 1605 from Guy Fawkes. That's the first weekend of November, typically. Victoria Park and Battersea Park are really good ones to go and see some fantastic fireworks events. There's also Notting Hill Carnival, which is fantastic as well. That's sort of West London. It's one of the biggest Caribbean carnivals in the world that's the last weekend of august typically as well and that's absolutely something to visit
0: well fantastic well i know when most people think of of coming to london they think of of heathrow it's the one of the world's largest airports massive traffic in and out all the time but there's actually multiple airports that are there that service london do you have a, any suggestions as far as which airports we should fly into
1: well I, it depends where you're coming from in the world so typically outside of Europe you'll be flying into Heathrow or Gatwick they're the two biggest in the UK so I would recommend if you have the option come into Heathrow and then you can get the tube or the London Underground as it's known into central London It takes about an hour it's only three or four pounds for a single journey and that's just really easy to do it's the first line so you can put your bags and your uh, luggage in and you can be away on the journey Gatwick You've got a couple more options. It takes you into different train stations, London-Victoria or London-Waterloo. So you've got two options there. You've then got Luton and Stansted, which are two airports north of London, and they service Europe predominantly and some parts of North Africa, and they're the budget airline hubs, really. So I, you wouldn't be coming into those two from long distance. If you're coming into Europe after that and London is your starting point, then you've got those two uh Airports as options. City of London is a business airport hub, so I wouldn't really worry about that. And south end is quite far out of the way to the east, and that's also budget airlines. So you'll predominantly be looking at Heathrow and Gatwick.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, like you said, it's a good point. If people want to go on a European vacation, maybe London is your first stop. You're going to fly into London with like one of like the major carriers that a lot of Americans know. But then from there. When you're going to additional countries in Europe or you know wherever you're planning on going next, consider other airlines that maybe you haven't heard of that aren't familiar names here in the, in the U.S. because you can save a lot of money and maybe find the better routing by checking out those other airlines and other airports. Those are, those are great ideas.
1: Absolutely. And Luton and Stan said are significantly cheaper to fly out of than Heathrow and Gatwick. So that's a really good point. If you are going into Europe afterwards in London, as I said, is your starting point, look at uh, flying out of those two
0: now from there whichever airport we fly into from the airport into the city what's the best way to get in there should we rent a car should we take one of like the uh those black cabbies or should we just take the train
1: definitely don't drive london is absolutely not a city to drive in let other people do that who are more experienced and know the city such as the black cabs you talked about you're going to be paying a lot of money if you're going to be getting a black cab from the airport into the city centre, over £100 plus. I would recommend from Heathrow, the London Underground or the Tube, but you can also get a train, which is different, to Paddington, which is a big train station in central London. From Gatwick, you can go into Victoria or Waterloo, uh, either from the train or a coach.
0: I think the last time that I went there, I took the, actually the, the Heathrow Express instead of, I think, the a little bit slower train, And that one seemed like it was a lot more expensive than like the three or four pounds that you talked about with the the regular train.
1: Absolutely. Do not go with the Heathrow or Gatwick Expresses. They are about double the price than a regular train. Stay away from them unless time is a real priority. Just get the cheaper trains or the tube if you come from Heathrow. You'll save money and it'll still be just as pleasant.
0: Okay. makes a lot of sense. And then when we're within London, I mean, London itself is, is quite large. It's, you know, I think larger than I think a lot of people expect or realize as you're walking around and trying to get from different attractions to to your hotel and different restaurants and everything else. Is it very walkable or should you use the tube? And are there like day passes if you're going to use the tube?
1: You mentioned London is quite big. London is huge. It's absolutely massive. Similar to New York, you wouldn't walk New York, you'd get the tube or the metro over there. I would recommend getting a day pass, or for however long you'll be there, you can get a travel card. And that just takes the weight off your shoulders in terms of travelling to and fro areas in the city. I think each journey is about two to four pounds depending on the zone you're in you'll have to do a bit of research with where you want to visit and where you're staying but I would absolutely recommend getting your hotel near a tube line that would save so much time on your journey and then going to all the attractions that you want to do so stick with the tube Maybe get the buses. If you want to get a black cab for the novelty of it because you've seen it on films and you want to live that London lifestyle, then fine. But they are considerably more expensive. So just be aware.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you talked about like the day passes. Do they have a day pass where it works for the tube as well as the buses or are those two separate things?
1: Yes. The travel card, as we call it here, is using an Oyster card, which is like a blue almost credit card type when you go into Gatwick or Heathrow you can actually buy them from ticket machines or you can always ask for help you can choose how long you want it to be for how depending on how long you're in the city and that is the tubes that's the buses on the tubes you tap in and tap out and that's already paid for and the buses you just tap in as you walk in and it's already done and then you can just sit down and enjoy your journey
0: Okay, that's fantastic. I love being able to save money and and uh, get the make it super easy as well.
1: It's not just that as well; it's also actually taking the weight off your shoulders with it. Potentially, you might end up spending more money than you originally thought. You know, you need to, but if you know you're going to be doing a lot, visiting a lot of attractions, then it just takes the weight off your shoulder when you then have to travel about. It just makes life easier for you, and you can enjoy, and it's stress free.
0: Now. With me coming from the U.S., flying into uh, into London, uh, a lot of countries require visas. Obviously, you need to have your passport. From what I remember, there's no visas required to go in th- into the U.K. When I came, you know, obviously, I had to do COVID tests, but I think all that is, is gone now. But other than that, is there anything required for travelers coming from, from out of the country?
1: Not as far as I'm aware, no. You'll have to check with your own country's requirements and what they would explain. But as far as I'm aware, no.
0: Okay. That makes sense. And then I know, obviously we've talked about things in, in prices and pounds. I think it's about what a dollar 50 for every pound, something like that. So there may be a little sticker shot for Americans traveling over to the UK and, and, uh, and, and purchasing things. But from what I remember, you can use your credit card pretty much anywhere. Is there a need for getting some cash out of like an ATM that we can use it? Or is a credit card going to be fine for all the things you need to do while you're there?
1: a credit card is absolutely fine for the things that you want to do here. You can even pay your tube and buses journeys through your credit card too. If you want to bring 40 or 50 pounds worth of cash in case you go to any markets or areas where you think, oh, would they take card or that, you know, just to be safe, then fine. But generally London is very much a cash free society.
0: Okay, perfect. Now let's talk about you know, as far as where you should book your hotel, like when I came, I stayed at the Intercontinental Park Lane and we, you know, I had a great experience there. I got pretty spoiled with all the, the benefits that they laid upon me. And then one of the other hotels I want to stay there the next time I visit is the the Kempton Fitzroy. Uh, I heard it's a, it's a beautiful location. Do you have any recommendations as far as hotels that people should look at uh, booking?
1: I think rather than brands, it's more where you want to stay and the attractions that you want to visit uh, will dictate the hotel that you stay at. So I would say really anything, as I said, with a a tube network around you that's easy to walk to, certainly with your luggage when you first get in and out of the city, and then easy to get to when you're then going to the attractions around the city. So I would say good places for me. Waterloo and Paddington are really good. I think Waterloo, you're essentially on the River Thames, And then if you cross the bridge, you're in fantastic neighbourhoods such as Soho, Trafalgar Square, the Theatre District, Covent Garden, and you'll be completely aghast at everything that you can do there. Paddington is a little bit further north. It's still in central London. And nearby, you've got Regent's Park, which is one of London's main parks. You've got Marlebone, which is a lovely district, and Nutting Hill, which is relatively nearby too. And also Little Venice, which are wonderful canals that run through London. And with each of those, you've then got excellent networks to take you wherever you need to go within the city. So I would concentrate on either of those two places.
0: Okay. Now let's talk about some of the things we should do while we're there in London. Obviously, we got the big, the big ones like Buckingham Palace and Big Ben and Tower of London and some of those types of things. Are there any tips you have for those? Uh, and then are there any other types of attractions that maybe people would o- otherwise overlook?
1: So I think it's very easy for a Londoner or someone to live in London who has visited many times to say, don't do those things. But of course, if you're visiting for the first time, you want to do those things. It'd be like telling someone visiting Paris for the first time not to visit the Eiffel Tower. So, of course, if you come for the first time, visit Buckingham Palace, visit the Tower of London and Tower Bridge. And by the way, Tower Bridge is what people think is London Bridge. When you think of the bridge in London with the two spires and the drawbridge, that's called Tower Bridge, not London Bridge. That's really important because you might get (laughs) into trouble when you get here or people will look at you confused. So do those things. Other ones to add to that list, I would say St Paul's Cathedral, which when you're walking along the Thames, you will see it at all times. It's a real icon of London. It's incredible architecture and it's been here since 1675 from Sir Christopher Wren. So that's definitely something to go and visit and climb up. I would also say South Bank and Bankside, which are walks along the Thames and you see fantastic buildings as you do as you sort of walk along there. You've got the Globe, Shakespeare's Globe. You've got something called Clink Prison, which is really good for kids, which is the London's oldest jail. So there's plenty of things there to do. Also, Regent's Park, I would I would recommend. That's my favorite park in London with so much variety. Uh, it's got an open-air theater where Shakespeare's plays are performed, and it's got lots of little boats lakes and rivers. So I'd recommend that too.
0: Nice. And then, obviously, there's with so much to do there. One thing I, I saw that there's, there's the London Pass, which actually you could buy, give you a few different days to be able to do as many attractions as you can for one fixed price instead of, Kind of get nickel and dime to all the different places you're going to go visit.
1: So the London Pass gives you access to 80 attractions and museums, and you've got hop-on, hop-off buses as well. It's very easy to use. It comes with an app that you download, and you get access to the attractions, and you get a little guidebook that comes with it. I think one day is about £70. Two days is 95 So, again, it can be quite expensive. But if you're planning on doing a lot in a day or on your stay, it might be a really good option.
0: For sure. And I guess it also depends on how long you're going to be in London or how much vacation time you have. Not only are you going to do a lot of things in London, but if you can, like take a chance and do something that's a little outside of the city. Obviously, we have a lot of different episodes talking about other cities like Brighton and Winchester and and others that are little day trips that you can do from London. But also, obviously, there's a little bit more well known things like you know, Windsor Castle, you know, Stonehenge, uh, the city of Bath. I'm actually getting ready to, to record an episode on that as well. So, all these other things you can do that are outside of like the major city. It's like almost like you need to spend an entire month just to kind of explore everything. But it depends on how much vacation time you have. Definitely spend some time in London, but also consider going outside of the city to explore some of the other things as well.
1: You're absolutely right. And I think be really careful as well with which train station takes you to which place that you want to visit don't think that just because you're near Paddington station you'll then get to Winchester London is full of big train stations that take you all over the country so just be careful with that and do your research beforehand on my destination guide on London there's a separate section that talks about the train stations and dots them around the city so it can help you out So hopefully that will give you some help when it uh, comes to going to Windsor Castle or Winchester, as you said, or Brighton.
0: Yeah, for sure. Those are very useful guides. Now, before we uh, head out, obviously we don't want to miss out on talking about some of the food that's there in London. Obviously you said there's a big multicultural population and people from all over the world have kind of congregated in London. In our Facebook group for the We Travel There podcast community, somebody asked me, obviously this is probably more like a basic question. But I'm sure as a as a Londoner, you have, you have strong opinions on this. Where would somebody go for uh, really good fish and chips?
1: I think really can't go wrong with a good pub. I think pubs are a real staple and real tradition in Britain more widely, but especially London, where really a lot of the business transactions and certainly have been in the past few decades and centuries even have been. So pubs are really good and notorious for having very, very good food. So I would recommend the Lyric, which is my favorite, the Kennington Roundhouse in, in, in South London and the Marlebone as well. I think you can never go wrong with fish and chips in a good, authentic British pub.
0: Fantastic. What are some of the other uh, food suggestions that you have?
1: As always, and hopefully your, your listeners won't get bored of me saying it, it really depends on what your budget is. So if you want something where it's a real showstopper and you think, wow, you know, that one meal, fine dining, There are places called Le Gavroche, the Connaught, Claridge's and the Greenhouse, which are incredible fine dining restaurants in the district called Mayfair, which is known as the real sort of epicentre for luxury. If you want something that's a sort of a meat lover's paradise, perhaps, you go to somewhere like Black Block, which is fantastic. If you want Indian food, because Britain is blessed with fantastic Indian population and excellent Indian food that comes with it, Brick Lane, which is a street in East London, is a fantastic neighborhood for excellent Indian cuisine at really affordable prices, too. If you want good tapas for the fantastic Spanish community that come over, you've got Salvador and Amanda and Barba Pito. You've just got so, so many. You'll be starstruck at how much choice there is in the city.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a foodie's paradise. As far as uh, you know, getting a, a good breakfast to kind of start the day off right, where would we go for that?
1: So there's two that I have in mind. One is in Bethnal Green, which is out to the east, and that's called E-Police. Uh, and it's very, in a very artsy and trendy part of East London. And they cook up excellent full Englishes. That cooked breakfast that you've always been thinking about that we eat over in London and Britain more widely, E-Police is very good with that. And another place that can really start your day off well is a place called Regency Cafe. And that's in Pimlico. And that's no frills full English, great local spot and sort of old school chant. So I'd recommend those two.
0: Nice. And obviously as you're, as you're going throughout your day, uh, you're going to be kind of bouncing between all the different attractions and, and trying to kind of make the most of your vacation. Maybe you're not in a, you don't have time to sit down at it for like a formal meal or something like that. Are there any like street food places or anything like that, that you can kind of eat on the go?
1: London is blessed with great street food markets. The main one in the city is called, borough market which is south of the river i would recommend visiting either between 10 and half 11 in the morning because after that certainly until 1 p.m of course is when you get loads of office workers from the area come and go to and grab their street food for their lunches so go before and after those sort of busy periods and you can sort of gorge on the excellent street food or you can actually even buy excellent produce there and take a picnic and just go to the nearby river. And sit down with that. You've also got Seven Dials Market, which offers an excellent variety of street food in a trendy former warehouse. So that's really good as well. And you've got loads of uh, choice there, from a cheese bar to uh, sort of excellent Asian food as well. So that's always a great shout. There's also on Saturdays only South Bank Market, which is right by the river. And that offers fantastic food choices too. And there's also a lesser known one called Piccadilly Market, which is on one of London's main roads, Piccadilly. And that's also got a quite fun street food market too.
0: That sounds so amazing. Uh, You know, I know that... There's so many different things you can do in London. There's so many different food options and everything like that. And I know you have some great articles on your site. We'll definitely link to those. So that way the listeners can go check those out and plan their trip to London. But now it's time for the final countdown. So Josh, if somebody only had time for one meal when they visited London, where should they go and what should they eat?
1: I would recommend going to the Lyric, which I've already mentioned, which is a fantastic pub behind Piccadilly Circus. And on Sundays, they have a legendary Sunday roast where it's all this meat and vegetables are packed into a Yorkshire pudding, which is a big staple dish here. Lashings of homemade gravy, and that's just absolutely wonderful to have.
0: Oh, fantastic. Now, like you say, you lived in London for probably five, six years now. What's one of your most memorable stories of being there?
1: I think one of the most memorable stories, and hopefully one that will tempt your listeners to come along, to London is actually being on a boat going down the Thames going under Tower Bridge at sunset. I did that with uh, a, a lot of friends and, and that was just an amazing experience to do and see London in golden hour and be on the Thames.
0: Yeah, that sounds uh, really amazing. Always like a perfect like date uh, scenario as well. So speaking of good times and, and happy memories, where's the, the happiest happy hour in London?
1: So London's happy hour might be a bit different from those on the continent and cities in America. So we have happy hours where it's usually cocktails and it's about half price or two for one. So the best I would recommend is either one called Out of Office, which is a bar in Liverpool Street uh, with all the city workers. And there you can get cocktails for about five pounds each, which is very good, believe me in London. There's also a place called Beer at One, which is a chain and they're dotted around London. So I'd recommend that as well for continuity. So you know that they're always very good. And another one called London Cocktail Club. And that's also London specific. And that's a small chain as well. So you can never go wrong.
0: Oh, fantastic. Lots of great choices. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in, in London?
1: So my personal favorite is actually in a neighborhood called Clapham, which is South London. And there's a fantastic pizzeria there called Joe Public. And it's right by Clapham Common, which is a big park. And at Golden Hour, you can take a pizza and go to one of the ponds on the park, sit down and enjoy. And it's uh, it's really fantastic.
0: That sounds like a great experience. Now, obviously, you write about travel, you've traveled all over the world. You have some great tips, I'm sure. What's one of your favorite?
1: Well, to do with London specific, I would say before you come to London, except that you're not going to see all of London. As soon as you do that, you're going to be traveling more than you're actually seeing. And the novelty of being on the London Underground might wear off pretty quickly. Except the first time you come to London, see the big sites that you want, as we've already spoken about, Buckingham Palace, the Thames, you know, those big ones, Tower of London. And then the next time, think about the themes that you want. So whether that's the music, industry in london and you know fantastic artists like bowie and queen and led zeppelin or any theme that you really want to sort of dive into with london the next time you can do that but i think that would be my big advice is i i, I often get people say oh i want to see as much of it as i can and i think it's okay you've got plenty of opportunity hopefully to come to london the first time live your london fantasy and live that london dream that you sort of been craving for and then the next time you can be a little bit more specific and go to those areas and really dive into london
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense well josh again i really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips for london can you tell the audience a little more about who you are and what you do
1: yes so i'm one half of two passports which is a travel blog that i run with my girlfriend sasha we love going to different cities and exploring them and sort of sharing with people the best tips on how to get there what we recommend where we recommend and we've got them all on our blog www2 uk. we've got loads of stuff on london up there so we'd love you to come and check it out and do give us a message on instagram which is underscore two passports and we'd love to give you any more recommendations that you that you might want the city
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely link to all that in the show notes. And you, know, Josh, again, it was great talking to you and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there.
1: Lee, thank you so much.
0: What a fun conversation with Josh. I had such a wonderful time in London during my last visit, and I can't wait to go back and explore more of the city's history and attractions. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash London. We want to say thank you to Clear for being today's affiliate partner. Clear keeps you moving through airports, stadiums, and more with our exclusive touchless ID verification technology. Take advantage of our special limited time offer where you can try Clear free for two months. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Clear to sign up today. Join us next time as we head to Lafayette, Louisiana, to speak with my new friend Lane Forneret of the Travel Vlog family. In this episode, Lane and I talk about attending Festival Acadiennes, touring the Tabasco Factory, and eating Boudin. We hope to join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.